Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, hello, folks. What in the world? What y'all doing? What y'all just running around on the Internet trying to find out what's going on in the world? And you just ended up stopping here. Well, I'll be. Well, that's awesome. Well, here you go. It's going to be a day. Going to be a day. Well... We've had a good bit going on since last week. Anybody have any guess what I'm going to talk about today? Well, actually, the first thing I'm going to talk about, welcome, by the way. You've reached the collision of faith and politics with the ninja pastor, Dr. Sean Michael Greener, the right reverend. I want a special shout-out to the Gold Star families. You know, it is uh, it is a day that would live in infamy. December 7th, 1941, when Japan attacked us on our own soil. We were caught not watching for the enemy. We were caught not believing that the enemy would come get us, but they did. You know, I feel great today. I just want to tell you that. I feel great. Got some good care today. I feel pretty great. But you know what? World War II, the greatest generation, those folks are dying off. World War II veterans dying off. A bunch of my uncles. World War II veterans are all gone. The greatest generation. What does it take to be named the greatest generation? And the greatest generation, that World War II generation, they must surely be disappointed in how we've disgraced their hard work and their great sacrifice. ISIS is here. Hussein is absent. Who do you trust? I'm going to jump right into it today. It's important to understand that there's an agenda being pushed by the news media and by all media. You heard me right. All media. All media. I, I didn't stutter. What do you think? Join us on chat, by the way. It's wide open. We had a wide open crazy chat at Sunday's message, just so you know. I didn't get to it too much. I apologize because there was a bunch of uh, 
crazy business going on there. There's a bunch of uh, hackers and whatnot. Not hackers, but what they call them, trolls. Weird. But I've learned how to bounce them, and I like it. A lot of the power that I'll have when I bounce them. So we got attacked by Japan. Then we dropped two nuclear bombs on two of their best cities. And we've been at peace with them ever since. Probably time to make peace with Islam the same way, wouldn't you agree? It's important to understand that there is an agenda being pushed by the news media. I just said it a minute ago, all media. And you know what? Sad to say, our culture promotes it. Folks, let me tell you what. As I said last night, it's not God's agenda. The agenda they're pushing, not God's agenda. Not God's agenda. The president lies and the media doesn't call him on it. Saul Alinsky says, or said because he's dead, you know, Lucifer was his big uh, his big hero. He's with him now, spending the rest of eternity with him. He says, lie big and they'll never question you until it's too late. Are you listening? Saul Alinsky said in Rules for Radicals, lie big. And they'll never question you. It's too big of a lie to even question. Until it's too late. One of the lies we constantly hear from the Hussein Obama administration, and as early, quite frankly, as today, I watched it on the TV from Attorney General, you know, the highest law enforcement person in the land, Loretta Lynch, got on the TV and said, Mm, what we've got to be careful of is we don't want to be mean to Muslims. That would not be right if we were mean to Muslims, if we were suspicious of Muslims. If we watched Muslims more closely than we watched maybe some other person, it wouldn't be right. As my buddy Steve and chat, by the way, we've got real smart people in chat, those shooters were set up to attack multiple targets in California. They had dump pouches, and we're going home to restock. Thank God the locals got them. The locals got them. You talk about the local police departments, and you say, man, I don't think they should have all that war-like equipment. Those army-like guns and those big vehicles and all that stuff. Really? Because most likely, guess who's going to get there? The local police. The FBI is not going to get there in time. CIA is not going to get there in time. It's going to be local police, guys that, and, and women and men who go to work every day, and they do their best. They just do their best. We cut their budgets for training and for everything else. My buddy Steve is quoting something that uh, I was going to quote later on, but I'll quote it now. They had 14 pipe bombs at home and only took two with them. How about all that ammo they had at home? Why were they wearing masks? And why do you wear a mask if you're on a suicide mission? No, they had more to do. Very good points. That's funny. I ought to rely on Steve for some show notes. 
But, you know, Muslims act like it's white Christians cutting the heads off of Muslims, when in fact, Muslims lie about hate crimes against them. My friend Pamela Geller came out today with an article, Suspect Charged in the Council of American Islamic Relations, CARE, terror group, anti-Muslim hate crime is named. The suspect charged in CARE's anti-Muslim hate crime is named. Guess what his name is? Muhammad. I've said this before, folks, and this is proving it out. Advancing Islamic Lies, CARE, CARE-Hamas 2015, Killing Freedom. And fake hate. We see this time and time again. Hate crimes and fake hate is perpetrated by Muslims. Right after the San Bernardino Jihad slaughter, one vile mosque claimed an unnamed Jewish group called and threatened to kill mosque members. But did the FBI check CARE's phone records? Hundreds of anti-Muslim hate crimes were committed by Muslims. The FBI hate crime statistics debunk Islamic supremacist claims of anti-Muslim backlash. Here are the most recent facts per the FBI, thanks to John Nolte. Of the 1,140 victims of anti-religious hate crimes, 56.8% were victims of crimes motivated by their offenders' anti-Jewish bias. 16.1% were victims of anti-Islamic or Muslim bias hate crime. 6.2% percent were victims of bias against groups of individuals of varying religions, anti-multiple religions groups. 6.1% were victims of anti-Catholic bias. 2.5% were victims of anti-Protestant bias. 1.2% were victims of anti-atheist or agnostic bias. 11% were victims of bias against other religions, anti-other religion. In other words, a full 84% of hate crimes based on a person's religion are not directed at Muslims at all. Jews are really... They, they're truly under attack with a whopping 57% of all hate crimes, which is way outside of their population. Jews don't make up 57% of the population, yet 57% of all hate crimes are against Jews. The D.C. media doesn't consider the statistic worth reporting. Jews as victims upsets the narrative. Outside of Jews and Muslims, 25% of these crimes are directed at other religions. In a country of close to 325 million people, there were 183 hate crimes committed against Muslims last year. This is only 19 more over the previous year, which is meaningless in a country this large. Unless you want to count Obama's push to create a Second Amendment internment camps for the gun rights of American Muslims... There's simply no Muslim backlash. Just like everything else, the D.C. media is blatantly lying about this, just like their dear leader. Even as they push for those internment camps, the elite media love to lecture and smear the uncommonly decent, everyday American people. The day after Thanksgiving, in the wake of a terrible shooting that left a Muslim cab driver in Pittsburgh hospitalized care was screaming anti-muslim hate crime naturally left-wing news outlets like the washington post and others gleefully accepted those marching orders five days later police had a suspect in the shooting if you go to pamela geller's site or you go to my uh facebook you'll find it there facebook.com backslash i think sean michael greener i can't take any more friends but you certainly click on follow 
And his picture's there. That's Muhammad. That's Anthony Muhammad. Investigators have taken a suspect in the custody of the cab driver who is Muslim in the city's Hazelwood neighborhood in the early morning's hours of Thanksgiving Day. Pittsburgh police announced the arrest at a press conference Wednesday afternoon. They identified the suspect as 26-year-old Anthony Mohammed of Hazelwood five days earlier. And just after the ISIS attacks in Paris, this was the headline. The police are the ones that state this. Police, Muslims taxi driver shot after being asked about ISIS. A Muslim civil rights group is asking the Justice Department to investigate the shooting of a Pittsburgh taxi driver. The driver was shot Thanksgiving night in the Hazelwood section of Pittsburgh, and the Council of American Islamic Relations, or CARE, wants the Justice Department to investigate the case as a hate crime. According to the reports, the 38-year-old driver picked up the man outside the Rivers Casino. Whoa! What? The Rivers Casino around 1 a.m.? Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, slam dancer. I know Muslims don't gamble. They're so religious. I don't. They don't drink, right? They don't drink. They don't gamble, right? They were the pure people. I thought they were the people that. Man, they're. They're the clean livers. They're the people that live above. Maybe he was witnessing out there about the evils. Of gambling. I don't think so. Picked him up around 1 a.m. Thursday. Nothing says Thanksgiving like gambling. FBI statistics prove that Jews are more than three times as likely as Muslims to be victims of religious-motivated hate crimes. Overall, those among the faithful who are not Muslim are targeted for hate crimes almost 84% of the time compared to 16% for Muslims. In a country of around 325 million, there were 183 hate crimes aimed at Muslims last year. Nearly 1,000 were aimed at other religious groups. This frustrated desire by our media to turn American Muslims into victims after every... I'm going to talk more about this in a second, by the way, or in a minute. I'm already mad. I'm not supposed to get this mad, but I'm mad. Oh, my buddy in chat says he was heading to the mosque and got lost. I say this about, he said something really strong here. If I were in a foreign country and radical Christians executed terror attacks, I would hightail it out of that country and tell the locals, I don't blame you for being mad. Peace out. You know, I apply this same uh, theory to the Black Lives Matter folks. Listen, folks, if you're that afraid of the police, I don't think I would be out on the streets showing my face, protesting every time one of your brethren got shot trying to kill a cop. Now, there's a lot of talk about this whole business with the um, with the ki- with the guy who got shot se- 16 times. First of all, he did have a weapon. First of all, we haven't heard yet what he did before that. I'm not defending this police officer. He's been charged with murder, quite frankly. Um, that doesn't mean that he committed murder. I know. I've seen the video. I've counted the shots. I can't imagine why he did it. I kind of think he freaked out. But you know what? If I was a cop... In Chicago, 
you know, the, the same Chicago that Rahm Emanuel was supposed to fix with his liberal ideology, I'd be nervous too. I'd have a hair trigger, folks. I'm not excusing the, the behavior. I'm just telling you, think about this. If we're so scary, if, if, if cops are so scary, white people are so scary to blacks, they don't seem to have any problem protesting us. They don't seem to have any problem storming on stage. Bernie Sanders. Hillary Clinton. You know who they don't storm on stage for? They don't storm on stage at Ted Cruz. They don't storm on stage at Donald Trump because they get thumped out pretty quick. Anyway, more about that in a minute. This, but, but, but don't you see the frustrated desire by our media to turn American Muslims into victims after every Islamic atrocity? It's a special carve-out no other faith enjoys. After the recent attack on a Colorado Planned Parenthood, in fact, this very same media attempted to make every member of the pro-life movement culpable in the hope something will finally stick care and its media allies are all too happy to make serial fools of themselves, hurling whatever they got against the wall. See what sticks. That's from Pamela Geller. You can find that article on my website if you just or on Facebook.com backslash Shawn Michael Greener. Just put the Ninja Pass or whatever. It'll be in there. Here's the question, folks. Yeah, I am fired up. I'll tell you what. I'm just sick and tired of it, folks. I'm sick and tired of it. Did you watch Obama's speech, Hussein Obama, your president? Did you watch him? Why does the man get on television on prime time to address the nation? And he's just going to sit there and lie. He's just going to sit there and lie. Why would he do it? And why would why would the nation cover it and not and not today be all over it? The press, you know, just firing questions. At the press secretary. Why? Why not? These are provable lies. Documentable. President Barack Obama delivered a primetime address to the nation on Sunday night, ostensibly to reassure the citizenry that he was on top of the situation in order in regard to the war against radical Islamic terrorism. And of course that reached our shores again. Last week in San Bernardino, California. Unfortunately for him, it's difficult to reassure worried Americans and build trust when he's caught making a provably false statement. I'll just say this. In other words, it's a lie. Let's not call it a provably false statement. Let's call it what it is. The, the commander-in-chief is a liar. You know when you can tell he's lying? Yeah, say it with me. When his lips are moving. When his lips are moving. That's how you know when a man lies. Because you know what he lied about? He lied about one of the worst things to lie about. What is that? His daily intelligence briefings. 
during his speech in an effort to seem as if he takes the threat of terrorism seriously. Obama claimed, for seven years, I've confronted this evolving threat each morning in my intelligence briefing. However, as Breitbart reports, the Government Accountability Institute has released studies showing that Obama has actually attended less than half of his presidential daily briefs. I kind of I got to admit something here, and I won't say his name, but I kind of know one of the guys that used to give briefings to presidents. Kind of a friend of mine, kind of worked together with him. And everybody knows Barack Obama has no problem skipping important things. You understand this, right? You understand you understand how this works. The President of the United States lies. Look, he doesn't say something that's provably false. He lies. L-I-E. He lies. You know, wait a second. I just thought of something. This just popped into my head. He attended less. Hussein Obama attended less than half of his presidential daily briefs. You know, those are security briefings. You know, that's kind of like he voted present rather than yay or nay in the state Senate in which he was elected to serve. Oh, I guess that is contrary to what I espouse in my book. Maybe I'm wrong. Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. It's available on Amazon, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. You get it there. If you live in the tri-state area, you want to send me some money, get a hold of me, I'll autograph one. It's instantly worth half, $14 plus shipping, however you want to send. I guess, contrary to my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, you really do receive awards for simple participation. I mean, they gave this communist organizer, I mean, community organizer, the job of President of the United States of America. And almost 200 times he voted present. He bears false witness, as my friend Jerry from Pennsylvania says. He is a liar. The first study published by the GAI, or Government Accountability Institute, in 2012 revealed that Obama had attended roughly 44% of his personal daily briefings between 2009 and 2012. A second study released in 2014 revealed that Obama's pattern of non-attendance at his daily briefings had continued and, in fact, had become marginally worse. Oh, I guess we've whipped the, uh, you know, I guess we've whipped this problem of terrorism. Because, you know, he had to go half the time. Man, don't even have to go half the time. He, it, well, look, he since become he he just got terrorism, terrorism under control so much that he could just go play golf instead. Just go play golf. Forty-one percent, forty-one percent of the time, he attended his daily briefings. You know those intelligence things where they talk about I don't know terrorism. He doesn't care. Doesn't matter. 
Yeah, he's the community grievance organizer, Jerry says. Look, there's absolutely no doubt that many of Obama's personal daily briefings contain vital information regarding the rise and expansion of as well as known threats and plots in the works by the Islamic State group in Iraq and Syria. First of all, let me say this. Let me interrupt myself to say this. I'm sick and tired of people saying ISIL and thinking that because the president says it, that that's the right thing to say. I have got a news flash for you. It's the wrong thing to say. It's the wrong thing to say. It's the wrong thing to say. Hello to all my gold stars out there, by the way. Man, I, I, I am uh I'm gonna tell you. I'm embarrassed. I am embarrassed at how we treat our soldiers, the ones that are injured. The ones that died. You know, today is an interesting day. An interesting day. Man. The planes were coming in so fast. Brave young men, instead of running away, they ran to their cannons, to their guns. They were in collective slumber. Collective slumber. They came wave after wave after wave, and they knew they didn't have enough fuel to get back. That was an enemy committed. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an enemy committed. And they didn't care if they died. At all. Didn't care if they died. They just wanted to kill as many Americans as they possibly could. They wanted to disable our ships. And they wanted to strike fear in the hearts of Americans. That's what they wanted to do. And... They did, to an extent.
But during the greatest generation, the World War II generation said, you know what? I am absolutely not. We are not going to stand for this. We're coming to get you. We're not going to stop until you fully and completely surrender or die. And the greatest generation did exactly that. They were kicked in the gut. But we didn't stay down. And we dropped two bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And we vaporized so many people. And many of them, most of them, quite frankly, were civilians. And shortly thereafter, Japan gave up. What do we do? The greatest generation went and they vaporized the enemy. What did we do? We invited the enemy onto our shores. He said, come on and see us. I happen to believe that there's a rising tide of true patriotic Americans who go to work every day with a gun strapped to their side. They don't make a big deal of it. Nobody they work with knows it. And they're ready if it goes there. Well, they say that the country's done. They say that the stock market's going to crash. That every single one of us is gonna lay down while they walk across our back. But I'm a stand up, gonna put my fists in the air. No, I don't wanna have to bring my guns, but I'll be ready if it goes there. But you can lay down if you wanna, you can run away if you wanna. We'll 
probably a little shaky for a lot of people. They probably are going to struggle with this. Just as applicable in regard to deception and bad sources of information, think about the clergy out there dispensing their brand of recreating God in their own image. The alleged pastors. I talked about this in last Monday's broadcast. It's free to listen to. blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. If you go to uh, the ninjapastor.com on the blog section, there'll be a link there. You can listen to it. Welcome to our, our great listeners in upstate New York. Glad to have you on with us. Hope everything's okay. By the way, uh, last week on Sundays, uh, I misstated. I think I said 46 on yesterday's broadcast. 46 people from France. I I was incorrect. It's 41. I apologize. But listen to this broadcast. I'll have more to say about that in a little bit. Look, if we can't trust the press and we can't trust many of our pastors, who can you trust? Today's the day, folks. Find out here, right here, right now. And look, I'm going to throw this in it. No additional cost or obligation to you. If you sign up now, learn some basic things you can do, not if, but when, ISIS comes to your hometown. Ladies and gentlemen, the time for rhetoric is no more. By the way, the time for meaningless words is no more. Speaking of which, breaking news, Iran, you know, the group that President Barack Hussein Obama instructed his his lackey, his idiot, his fake Purple Heart receiver to make a deal where we give them everything. They've already directly violated the U.N., Resolution. They've already directly violated all of the directives. Now what are we going to do? Cajonialist president, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? We're going to issue a letter? That's like yelling stop, and then the person doesn't stop, so you yell stop louder. The time for rhetoric and meaningless words is no more. This guy is incapable of decisive, effective action. But that's exactly what's needed now. Decisive, effective action, and this man doesn't have it. Today we're going to continue our series on how Christians prepare for what is to come. I'm going to again quote this. Yeah. In the chat room, one of our people says, I trust several guys, Smith, Wesson, Ruger, Colt, Remington, Winchester, Springfield, FN, <laughs> or here's the verse, Ephesians 6.12, for we struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The murderous rampage by the forces of evil, which I refer to as Islam. And what are what? Listen, I don't care what form it takes. I don't care if it's a gun. I don't care if it's a knife. You see all these people getting stabbed in England, in Israel. If they don't have a knife, if they don't have a gun, they use a knife. If they don't have a knife, they use a car. Wake up, people! Whatever form 
this murderous rampage, the evil that I refer to as Islam. It came to the United States. It came to San Bernardino. Isn't it funny? To a no-guns place. Gun-free zone. California has some of the strictest laws, gun laws in the nation. Oh, we we do this, we're going to stop crime. Really? Have you been to L.A.? Have you been to Compton? Have you been to Oakland? Have you been to San Francisco? Welcome to our guests in chat. Thank you for joining us. If you if you'd like, you can click on sign up or whatever the terminology is, uh, subscribe or whatever. Nobody's going to spam you, but uh, that would be awesome. We'd love that. Look, I told you two weeks ago as we began this series. Two weeks ago, I began this series. You can listen to the old ones. The NinjaPastor.com links are there. The BlogTalkRadio.com backslash The Ninja Pastor. They're all free. It doesn't cost you anything. I pay the cost. If you want to help with that, there's a donate page on the ninjapastor.com. We won't spam you. We don't, I don't even see your financial information. And every penny goes back into this ministry and show that we do. We do a lot more than this, but this is the part you can see the most of. The Christian needs to understand, and, and I said this. How many of you, by a raise of hands, how many of you heard me say this two weeks ago? And folks, I've said it. I've said it well back before that, but I said two weeks ago, when I began this series, it was one of the first things I said is, listen, it's coming here. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of, They're ready. They're here. They're ready to act. I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. The Christian needs to understand and accept that this battle was foretold and that this war that we're in right now is a war of good versus evil. This war is Christian versus Muslim. Look, and I'm going to say that. At the risk of already escalating a, an, an already controversial reputation, I'm going to lump Satanists with Muslims. This war is Christian versus Muslim. Why do I constantly talk about mental preparation, by the way? I, I talk about it as the first step of all steps of survival. Why do I call it? I call it thrival. I'm going to copyright that word, trademark that word, register it. Because before you can do something of value, you have to first think of the first thing to do. The mental preparedness that I've been speaking of contains for Christians the responsibility to discern from Scripture some basic truth. Look, this week I've talked, this week and last, I've talked to many Christians And those Christians have very real stumbling blocks that keep them from acting in the ways necessary to protect themselves and others. And those others, folks, I want to be clear to you, those others I'm talking about, you know who those others are? Those are the country. Those others are the rest of the country. I'm going to go through a few of these verses and what I'm what I'm aiming for here is 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 that when I do that we can move closer to the mindset of preparation and resolve that Ephesians 4:14 speaks of so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness 
in deceitful schemes. As a Christian, as a follower of the way, it is acknowledged that we live in two worlds, folks. As I said last week and the week before, we live in the world, but we're not of it. We have a country in a very real political battle. We have a president who is acting as a Trojan horse, a Manchurian candidate. Yeah, I love this analogy. This is an excellent analogy. When you turn on the television, it's just calling it what it is. When you see two football teams playing, you say uh, the, the New England Patriots are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's just a fact. That's who's, that's, you're calling it as it is. Creator God of life versus the moon God of death. Amen, Jerry. Look, we live in two worlds. Sometimes this world that we live in doesn't seem real. Look, we all know that gun control is not the answer. We all know that. It would be unreasonable. Of course, the, of course, the left, the first thing you do, the President of the United States, first thing he does, first thing, when France, you know, when, when the Bataclan and, and all the other attacks happen in France, oh, you know what this reminds me of? You know what we need to do? We need stricter gun laws. If only they had stricter gun laws. This is proof positive that we need stricter gun laws. Really? Because France has far stricter gun laws than we have. Gun control is not the answer at all. And we all know the policies being implemented don't protect us one bit. They don't protect us on our own soil, and they certainly don't protect us internationally. Muslim negotiation device. Keep it close, keep it loaded, and be vigilant. Amen, brother. I'm telling you, you're missing something in chat. If you're on a personal computer or, or a Mac or whatever and you're stationary, you're not driving, that's a cool place to be. Last night we had some crackpot whack job on there. Islam, folks, is the bully on the playground. And you know the teacher that's pulling for Islam to win? Hussein Obama. How do you handle a bully? Do you go home and tell your mom, I'm being bullied at school? And your mom says, honey, just laugh it off. Give him your lunch money. Feel sorry for him. Pray for him. You know, just like our president, Barack Hussein Obama. He says you turn your back on him, and it'll be fine. Oh, where's your pink, where's your pink bully shirt, honey? That'll stop it. Of course, this fails. You go back to school, you try all this crap. Oh, pretty pink shirt. Pop, pop. Let me change it a little bit. Make a little bit of red in the front. And now you don't have your lunch money, and now you don't have your self-respect. And you go to your dad, and your dad tells you that bullies are cowards. You know what you do to bullies? You punch them in the face. You punch them in the face until they fall down, until they go away, until they stop messing with you. Oh, yeah, you're going to go to the bully's office. You're going to go to the the principal's office. You absolutely are. But you will have handled your business. And let me tell you something. Hussein Obama has not handled our business. Can I ask you something? That, and I alluded to this earlier. I talked about this earlier about Black Lives Matter and the whole, you know, we're really afraid of white cops killing us because they're running around just killing us. Never mind the fact that 90-some percent kill each other. Chicago. They kill each other, killing ground. They don't, 
You don't seem to have a problem with killing each other. Hey, listen, it's like the N-word. We'll call each other that. Look, we'll shoot each other that, but you can't. You can't shoot us. If they're so afraid, the Black Lives Matter folks are so afraid, if black people are so afraid, they don't seem to have a problem with getting out there, showing their face, and protesting. I'm just saying. Are you with me? Are you listening? Amen? Why aren't the terrorist Muslims afraid of our response to their horrific videos of chopping people's heads off, innocent people, and the torture of United States citizens? Why don't we punch the bully? Just like we did to Japan. This this day, December 7th, 1941, the bully punched us. And you know what? Our noses were bloodied. Couldn't believe it. We didn't want to get in the war. But they forced our hand, and we ended it. That's how you deal with a bully. The liberals and some Christians, look, they'll respond, listen, because we don't, why don't we punch the bully? I don't, why don't, are you actually saying that, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, the ninja pastor? That's just mean, first of all, right there. Who would ever be a man of the cloth and say such vile things? I don't even know. We're, we're not animals. We aren't evil like they are. We do not want to sink to their level. Hmm, if that's the answer, why do I get into trouble for calling them evil animals and subhuman moon god worshipers? Look, they've admitted my premise right in their own response. They've agreed with my terms. We don't even venture to offend them by putting a picture of their murderers on television because we respect their religion. Look, I want to explain to my Christian, my follower of the way, my Messianic Jew friends, my Mormon friends, that by being respectful and tolerant of Islam, you are in fact being and encouraging evil. Second John one ten. it warns of this. If someone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the gospel or Christianity, don't welcome him into your home. Your home is both figurative and literal, folks. Your home is also your mind. Don't even say shalom to him, for the person who says shalom to him shares in his evil deeds. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but, but through him. Matthew twelve thirty. Whoever is not with me is against me. Anyone who isn't working for me is working against me. There's no room for the Christian or the follower of the way or the Messianic Jew to be tolerant in ways that allow and encourage the expansionist march of Islam. Now look, I, I included my many Mormon friends. For whatever reason, I have an enormous Mormon audience, huge Mormon audience. And I have friends, so many friends, that are devout Mormons. And I don't really have to say to you, I'm going to quote uh, a devout Mormon in a little bit. I don't have to say to my Mormon friends, hey, you better prepare. You better watch how you deal with bullies. Hey, this is uh this is we're fighting against evil here. I don't have to say to them. You know why? Cuz they're ready. 
That's part of their faith, to be prepared, be ready. Islam is on the march. ISIS isn't coming, it's here. And our president has thrown open the gates of this country and said, come on. we got lots of money here, folks. These people are suckers. By the time they realize, you'll have them over a barrel. Many want to condemn my approach on the grounds of a few verses. A key stumbling block for many, I'll be honest. And my great friend, listen, pray for Chris Cahalan. I want you to pray for my buddy Eric. He's in a challenge. Man, I love that dude. He's the coolest person I've ever met. We've been friends since kindergarten. He's in a struggle. If you think of him, just pray for him, Eric, in his struggle. And pray for my friend Chris Cahalan. They had a benefit for him yesterday. He's about to have the Whipple procedure because God saw fit to have the chemotherapy uh, work even better than planned. And he's gained some weight, and he's going to kick this thing in the teeth. I'm telling you, he's a fighter. You want to talk about a follower of Yeshua? Powerful, Chris is. We love you, Chris. We're pulling for you. We're praying for you. I wish, like anything, I could I could afford to get out there and, and be with you and your family during the surgery. I wish that I could. I just It just can't happen. So Matthew 5, 38 through 39, we have this conversation. You heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is Chris and I having a conversation uh, the other day via text message, and he said, you know, what do you make of this? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And look, I answer it this way. Many of my well-meaning and loving Christian brothers and sisters are troubled by this verse because they want to do God's will. They want to, they want to do the what would Jesus do. They've got three or four of those little bracelets on their wrists. They've got a cross around their neck. They want to do what Jesus would do. They want to do what Yeshua would do. And they, and they say, Reverend Dr. Sean Ninja Pastor, what do I do? But many of them are so convinced that they're right. go headlong, because they say, hey, listen, I'm going to do God's will. I'm going to serve Jesus. They very rarely ever mention God, by the way, just Jesus. And they see this as an instruction to pacifism and apply it to international defense and personal protection. Look, this is a complex verse, and I don't want to make light of it or those who are holding it up as the answer. On the face of it, I think it's important to note that this is a verse about vengeance and retaliation for one's own real or perceived Offenses against themselves. By others. It is advice. This verse, this passage is advice on responding to a personal offense. You've been slapped. You've had your eye jabbed. You. This should not be extrapolated to be the advice on the coming Armageddon of the end times. And make no mistake about it, it coming. Are you ready? This isn't Jesus' advice on protecting your neighbor or making the world safe for widows and orphans. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, your adversary the devil prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Ephesians six eleven. put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Ladies and gentlemen, believers, we are commanded to resist. To take this verse as your only and exclusive directive in, in regard to the onslaught of Islamic jihad will ruin us all. 
the verses I'm talking about are Matthew 5, 38 through 39. Liberal left Christians all the time, all the time, quoting that verse. To take that as your only and exclusive directive, when we're talking about Islamic Jihad, it's going to ruin us. As an important aside, I, I want to, and this occurred to me today, I, I want to think about Israel. You know, I did a series. Let me see if I have the book right here. Eye to eye, facing the consequences of dividing Israel by William Koenig. I did a survey, and uh, then I did a bunch of research, and then I did a, a sermon series. It's free. It's on the ninjapastor.com and all that stuff. It's all there. It's all free. It's on uh, iTunes and all that stuff. God gave the Jewish people, the people of the land and the land of the people. He gave it to them especially. He gave it to them for a purpose. He was specific about the boundaries. He did not want foreigners coming in and polluting their religious practices. He told them repeatedly to defend this land and to not give any of it, any of it away. And he told them, he told them, he promised them, he warned them if they give any part of it away, they will be punished. And they were. He told them this repeatedly in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants evil resisted. When he blesses a people with land, he expects them to defend it. He helps them defend it. God gave us the United States. I've spoken before about what a magnificent experiment this nation has been in founding a modern country on Judeo-Christian principles, a shining light in the dark world. Ladies and gentlemen, how can we think God does not want us to defend it? How can we act like the Bible says not to defend it? Look, I get it. I get it. Many Christians today, they want to be associated with Christianity, the Christianity that says nice and loving things. Praise Jesus. You know, the inoffensive and easy things to say, God bless you. God is love. Turn the other cheek. It extends even to colleges and many denominations, religious denominations. They'll tell you that the Bible is a living and beautiful document. You know, kind of like they say the Constitution is. And that the evolved thinking person of today must take the Bible as a whole and understand that it was written by, you know, simpler, <laughs> less educated, violent and subsistence living illiterates who thought the earth was flat. Oh, can you imagine? You know, those are the latte scone holders that my buddy Steve talked about. Those are the people walking out of the out of the overpriced coffee shop because you have to get a home equity loan to buy a coffee there. Shoot, I make better coffee at my house, y'all. This is the pick-and-choose Christianity crowd, recreating God in our own image. Look, we all individually feel that we're best to decide which part God meant. Which parts did God mean, and which parts didn't he mean? You know, I, I quote this all the time. It's a sermon series, um, The Man on the Mountain, and I uh, did a, a couple other series. You can find them on, on all the different places. Go to the Ninja Pastor. You'll find most of them there, um, where I talk about the Beatitudes, The Lucky Life. My, my friend and professor, Oxford PhD, Dr. Skip Moen, wrote a book called The Lucky Life, and I did a series uh, using that book and scripture as a 
as a template. And I remind people, if you invite me to come to your church, I travel all over the country to churches, organizations, all kinds of different groups, do keynote speaking, seminars and conferences. And in those, I say the same thing. I say, folks, Yeshua himself said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. My buddy in in chat says, science keeps changing their books to make them correct. Our book has been true since it was penned. No change needed. I do a whole sermon. I didn't even mean to do a whole sermon on that, but I just got started and couldn't stop. How you can know the Bible is true. But look, we we do the pick and choose. The latte crowd does the pick and choose Christianity. You know, the ones that have the anti-bullying shirts, the pick and choose Christianity, where we're going to decide. We're going to recreate God in our own image. Muslims don't feel this way. They take their doctrine literally. You know what I mean. You know, in a strap your bomb to your chest that you made in your garage, you know, the bomb you made in your garage, your mama don't, your, your, your mama-in-law, your mama don't know. She don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing out in the garage. I think they're making remote control cars or some kind of thing. At least they ain't in here playing video games. Strap the bomb to your chest. Load up with ammo. Walk in and shoot up a group. Oh, wait, before you do that, hand your baby. You know, the same baby. The same baby that the people you shot up gave you, graciously gave you a baby shower for just six months before. That kind of way. That's how the Muslims feel. Ironically, they're holy books. They don't change, but their commitment to evil and world domination, that remains constant. By the way, did you know, well, we're talking about refugees, and we're talking about how, how could Christians, Christians, you have to be, Christians, you have to be Christian. Remember, what was it, last week or the week before? I can't remember. It all runs together. Last week or the week before, I talked about this dear lady, young lady. I've known her a long time since she was you know, a young teenager. And she's very sweet. She's a wonderful person, does a lot of wonderful things. She's very smart. She's just a good person, really good person. But we had a, we had a disagreement, and she said, I guess we're going to agree to disagree. And she felt like it, the Bible says, look, you've got to take all the refugees because they're foreigners. I, I made it clear that you break that down to Hebrew and, and, and the foreigner – didn't mean what she and a lot of other folks think it means. A young man who came to Minnesota as a refugee from Somalia has been linked to Syed Farouk, the shooter who, along with his jihadist wife, killed 14 Americans in San Bernardino less than a week ago. Fox News contributor Rod Wheeler, he provided a key piece of information about the case, linking the San Bernardino Shooters to Mohammed Hassan, one of those peaceful Muslims, a known terrorist recruiter who's been on the FBI radar screen for at least seven years. What Fox didn't report, however, is how Hassan ended up in the United States. His family came to the United States as refugees from Somalia. Did you catch that? Refugees from Somalia, folks. We see... The signs, we see the film, we see the photographs, we see all those poor, hungry refugees. And my lands, as Christians, we got to help them. Bring them on, bring them in. The Somali 
refugee program has been going on for decades, and it alone has produced some of the of America's most feared terrorists, even as the Syrian refugee program grabs most of the headlines. As WorldNet Daily, my friend Andrea Shea King, she writes for that as well. As WorldNet Daily reported in May, Hassan also helped radicalize Elton Simpson, one of the two jihadists who tried to storm into Prophet Muhammad into a Prophet Muhammad drawing contest in Garland, Texas. You remember that. Wasn't all over the news because the bad guy got bit. That was on May 4th. Their plans to kill all the participants and behead, behead free speech activist Pamela Geller, my friend, were foiled by an off-duty cop who engaged them in a gun battle. What stopped the bad guys with a gun and a big blade? Good guy with a gun. With training and skill at arms. Comfort and skill at arms. He engaged them in a gun battle before they could enter the auditorium where Geller was holding the art contest. My goodness, it was close. One of the two shooters in last week's terrorist attack on a free speech event in Garland, Texas, Elton Simpson, was reportedly radicalized over the internets by a former Somali refugee, Mohammed Hassan. WorldNet Daily reported on May 11th. The radical Islamist had lived in Minnesota. You know, Minnesota, that's huge Somali. Huge. He lived in Minnesota before traveling to the Middle East to join ISIS. But he continues to recruit new ISIS fighters in America, largely through social media. Hassan used the Twitter handle, Miski. It was Miski who reportedly called for the Garland attack 10 days prior to it being carried out by Simpson and his Pakistani accomplice. He tweeted the brothers from the Charlie Hebdo attack. You know, that was France, you know, when they were attacked before. It's time for brothers in the U.S. to do their part. That tweet was followed by a link to Geller's event in Garland, Texas. Hassan left Minnesota for Somalia seven years ago to fight for al-Shabaab, an al-Qaeda-linked terrorist organization in Somalia. He later joined up with ISIS but holds an American passport, and he could return to the United States at any time. First of all, that's insane. He's known as a prolific online recruiter for jihadist terror groups. He grew up in Minneapolis and attended Roosevelt High School. It was during his senior year of high school that Hassan left the United States. While in Somalia, he joined a group of jihadist fighters from Minnesota, one of whom was his cousin, according to a report by Somalia Agenda. Law enforcement conducting the raid at Syed Farouk's apartment in Redlands, California this week found evidence tying Syed Farouk to Hassan. According to Wheeler's report for Fox, Hassan had lived in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area of Minnesota, which is home to the largest Somali refugee community in the United States. He is one of at least 50 Somali refugees or sons of refugees who have left the United States since 2007 to join the ranks of ISIS, al-Shabaab, or other foreign terrorist groups. These Somali refugees have American passports and could return to the United States as battle-hardened terrorists. Yet the United States government under President Barack Hussein Obama continues to flood the United States with 50 to 700 new Somali refugees Every month. 
6,000 to 8,000 a year. A total of about 110,000 Somali refugees have been resettled in the United States since 1991. With all the talk, this is Ann Corcoran that says this. She's a refugee watchdog who blogs for the Refugee Resettlement Watch. With all the talk in Congress and the media about Syrian refugees, we don't hear anything about Somali refugees, and they have one of the worst records of not assimilating and being accomplices to terrorist acts. Corcoran said virtually all Somalis in the United States are refugees or children of refugees, although a few dozen can illegally enter each year through the United States-Mexico border. According to the Department of Homeland Security, 688 Somalis entered the United States illegally as asylum seekers between 2004 and 2014. World Net Daily reported on a busload of Somalis being transported from the southern border in May that was caught on video by a curious resident in Victorville, California. House of War, Islam's Jihad Against the World, conveys what the West needs to know about Islam and violent expansionary ideology that seeks the subjugation and destruction of other faiths, cultures, and systems of government. Hassan's connection to the San Bernardino attack should be no surprise. Corcoran said, and it surely was not a surprise to the FBI. This is no surprise for all of us following the Somali refugee terror activities here in the United States and abroad. Corcoran said, so let's stop talking about Syrians for a minute. Remember that we're bringing in at least 500 Somalis a month to live in your towns at this very minute. The United States State Department brings in 85,000 foreign refugees a year, permanently resettling them in over 180 United States cities and towns with little or no input from the local leaders and no notice given to the local populations. About 3 million refugees, almost all of them selected by the United Nations, have been resettled in the United States since 1990, about half of them coming from Muslim-dominated countries with active jihadist movements. Trojan horse, anyone? Most of the Somali refugees arrive in the United States cities directly from the world's largest refugee camp in Kenya, not far from the border with Somalia. This UN Dadaab refugee camp is known to be infiltrated, infiltrated by Somali terrorists and the president of Kenya, Yuhuru Kenyatta, threatened to shut it down in April, as reported by the Washington Post. The Kenyan government said it has evidence to suggest that the terror attack that killed 147 Christians at a Kenyan college in April was launched from the Dadaab refugee camp. Now the FBI is confirming that the Somali refugee-turned-American terrorist has been in communication over the last month or so with Syed Farouk, you know, He's the one who gunned down 14 innocent Americans as they celebrated an office Christmas party last week in San Bernardino. Hassan now apparently has the Garland, Texas attack in May and the San Bernardino attack last week as notches in his belt. Folks, this is the final battle. This is the final battle in God. You know, the Judeo-Christian one, the one true God, just to be clear, he wins. But there is a fight. There is resistance. And to cling to Matthew 5, 38 through 39, puts you on a wrong 
and confused mindset. Now, I want to address something really quick. We only have 45 minutes to go. Man, the time flies. Let me address the controversy over what I said in social media about the alleged disrespect. I, I was alleged to have disrespected Islam, disrespected the Islamic murderer Tashfeen Malik, because I showed her face and put it all out there in the press and showed pictures of the, the dad. She usually wore a full hijab. She didn't normally show her face. And the controversy was over my comments regarding Farouk, the Muslim piece of evil, being shown dead, bullet-riddled in a pool of his own blood. Many in America have reached out to me, ding, 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 crying foul, and saying I'm an insensitive, intolerant, disrespectful, alleged pastor. Man of the cloth, question mark, question mark. Because I'm intolerant and disrespectful and insensitive to another person's, air quotes, religion. If you heard Loretta Lynch, the AG for the United States and Hussein Obama's highest law enforcement officer, she was on today. She was on yesterday. Man, this woman's getting some face time. I might just get arrested for reminding you that full adherence and respect was given to the alleged Osama bin Laden body after he was taken by SEAL Team 6 or otherwise known as DevGru. That didn't change Islam's obsession to kill us. No photos of Hussein Obama. I'm sorry, whoops. No photos of Osama bin Laden's bullet-riddled body were circulated around the world. You see, we wanted to show our tolerance and respect for peaceful Islam. We didn't want to incite violence from these otherwise peaceful religious zealots who are much like Christian zealots and extremists, mostly the white ones, of course. Osama bin Laden was instead at the direction directly of Barack Hussein Obama, buried at sea with full Muslim honors. And yet that didn't change Islam's obsession to kill us. I ask you, the people that celebrate every infidel death from 9-11 till now, they revel in the chopped off infidel heads that they hold up, the blown up bodies of Jews and Christians that they hoot and holler in almost a sexual frenzy. They post those videos all over the Internet. News organizations say, out of respect for the families and, and for young children that might be watching, we're not going to show this. We're just going to show, you know, before. We're not going to show this. Respecting their Quran and not showing their vile and heinous acts, it doesn't change them or even impact them. In fact, they laugh at our weakness. This doesn't change Islam's obsession to kill us. While the news media thinks nothing of disrespecting Jews and Christians, you know, the new, uh, you guys, please tell me that you've heard this. New York Daily News columnist Linda Stasi, she stated, and she was interviewing a uh, Jewish victim of the San Bernardino, uh, Nicholas uh, Talasinos, and he is a Messianic Jew, was a Messianic Jew. He's now in the presence of a holy God. He's able to hug and worship in person the very Yeshua, Hamashiach, that he professed. Nicholas Talasinos was equally responsible. This is what Linda Stasi, piece of crap that she is, Nicholas Talasinos, says to the wife, 
you think he could be equally responsible for the violence because he had heated religious discussions with this Muslim, Farouk Syed, in the workplace? They worked together. You know, uh, Nick was one of the ones that, I don't know, bought gifts and food for the baby shower. This is not only offensive and absurd, but people, if Muslims are so hair-trigger that regular folk can't even converse, with Muslims. By the way, it just came out now, released uh, that it has been released that the terror bombers, same ones I'm talking about, Syed Farouk and Tashfeen Malik, they had set up the bombs to kill the first responders. Uh, and don't get me started on why the FBI allowed hundreds of, air quotes, news organizations to rummage through a crime scene. A lot of people have had a lot to say. Why did I show those pictures? Why did I revel? over them being killed. Listen, let me tell you something, folks. We have a group of people that, that if, if we're to believe this Linda Stasi, that Jewish victim, Messianic Jew, and my friend, Nicholas Talasinos, that he was potentially responsible for the violence, equally responsible, because he talked about religion with this Muslim. Look, if these people can't converse with us, then we need for our own protection to, you fill in the blank, whatever you think is appropriate. Do we need internment camps for these people, for Muslims? Do we need psychiatric facilities? How about deportation? You show a picture of, of Muhammad. You disrespect the Quran. I kill you. Cut your head off. And I make fun, but they're, they're planning to do it. That's why I'm strapped all the time. Locked and loaded. They need to be interned and booted out of this country. Lock them down and kick them out. Seriously here, folks. We have an entire people with whom you cannot have a grown-up conversation about religion because, oh, they might go off and start hacking off the heads of the very people who took their own money and time. Now, they didn't hack off the heads. They shot them up. But in this case, they took their own money, their own time, just six months before and they threw these crazy Muslims a baby shower. What do we do with the crazy folks that aren't Muslim but are so hair-trigger? What do we do? If they're not Muslim, what do we do? We lock them away. But if you're Muslim, according to the president and attorney general, Loretta Lynch, you can say and do horrible things to Christians, sure, with impunity. But if you're a Muslim, you cannot even question the severer of heads cult. This is why the gay lobby in the United States doesn't do their silly business with Muslim bakers. Bake me a cake for my gay wedding. Why not? Or they take them up, how they like to kill gay people or people they think are gay, people that act gay, people that seem gay, people that sound gay. They take them up to the tallest building they can find, they tie a rope to their ankles, and they throw them off. Yeah, they really do that all the time. Why don't the gay people, 
Why don't they go to these Muslim bakers? Muslim bakers abound. They're all over. Why don't they go to the Muslim bakers? Because the Muslim baker will find a tall building and they'll roof toss them off. What do the Christian bakers do? They say, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't do that. I'll make you cupcakes or do whatever, but I can't make you a gay wedding cake. And then they pray for their oppressors, the gay militants. My friend, and honestly one of the best shooters I have ever shot with, spent four days with him shooting out in Nevada, Noble Lihulie, also a uh, great, great Mormon. Uh, just got back not that long ago from uh, his his uh, mission. He wrote this, put this out on uh, social media. Sadly, the extremist terrorists are reaching out and taking advantage of the desperate refugees. Interesting development. France is poking around and solving some potentially dangerous situations. I wonder what we would find at our American Muslim mosque. Interestingly, in France, police have shut down three mosques in a series of raids to close the net on Islamic terrorists. Guess what they found? You ready? You ready? You ready? Are you listening? Mixed in with the jihadist documents were 334 war-grade weapons. In 15 days, they have seized one-third of the quantity of war-grade weapons normally seized in a year from only three mosques. France has been under a state of emergency since the 130 people were killed in a series of terror attacks in Paris on November 13th. Since then, some 2,235 homes and buildings have been raided. 232 people have been taken into custody, and 334 weapons have been confiscated. This latest raid comes as authorities in a number of European countries crack down on mosques suspected of being a breeding ground for extremist cells operating in the continent. This week, German authorities expressed concern that refugees might be susceptible to radicalization by Muslim extremists. Are you listening? Who are now using religion as an excuse to get closer to the new arrivals from Syria and other parts of the Middle East. Officials said they have encountered at least 100 cases in which extremists have tried to establish contact with refugees, those fleeing war and hunger in Syria and other parts of the Middle East are allegedly being lured by rides, food and shelter, as well as help with traditional Muslim clothing and translation in a foreign country. America, how soft are we? The biggest part of surviving the coming rivers of the blood rivers of blood that Islam has promised us is adaptation to reality and toughening up. You've got to get some grit in you. You've got to realize that this Hussein-Obama administration, they're not on our side. He's committing treason daily, and we, sit, we just sit there in our little kindergarten sort of prayer mode, praying for our leader as though he's not the enemy behind our gates. Evil is within our midst, and we refuse to recognize it. And folks, he's been setting about this before 2008. The Democrat Party is indeed a death cult. Derek Hunter wrote a phenomenal article. called the, His name is Derek Hunter. 
The Democrat Party is a death cult. I'm so sick of these progressive Democrats waiting to pounce on death and exploit it to their advantage. It takes a special kind of person to do it, to see something awful unfolding on television and think, how can I use this to my advantage? That's the modern American left, and it has to be destroyed. While the San Bernardino terrorists were still at large, all three Democrats running for president took the opportunity to call for gun control. That's right. Gun control. California, one of the strictest states ever for gun control. That's the sort of sociopathic disconnect from human decency we expect from serial killers, not someone who seeks to become the next leader of the free world. These people spent the week after two Islamic terrorists murdered 14 people, blaming inanimate objects for their actions and seeking to take rights away from innocent Americans. Progressives continually seek a Reichstag to burn in order to empower the government over the individual. A terrorist attack is the same as a school shooting. It's the same as a storm. It's the same as a drought. A chance to advance their agenda. There's nothing they won't exploit for their cause. They will goose step forward over any terrain, over the bodies piled up in the cities they control, or the 100 million their philosophy deprived of life in the last century. Nothing short of everything is enough. Well, I'm here to say, enough. The New York Times hasn't run a page one editorial since 1920. Pearl Harbor didn't warrant one, neither did 9-11, but the terrorist attack in San Bernardino, it did. It wasn't to condemn the attack, nor was it to call for reform of Islam to purge its radical elements. No, ladies and gentlemen, listeners all over the world and in the United States of America, it was a call for your rights to be curtailed. See, the Reichstag burned this week, even though it didn't catch fire at all. From the moment the first shot was fired, the progressive left snapped into action. Anchors and talking heads were postulating it had to be a right-winger. It had to be at a Planned Parenthood. And they knew the only solution to a problem still happening was to strip you of your rights. But a funny thing happened on the way to the Reichstag fire. The fire burned itself out. The terrorist Saeed Farouk and his mail-order accomplice weren't white Christians. They were radical, Islamic terrorists. But that wasn't the narrative. You see, Democrats view terrorism and groups such as ISIS and al-Qaeda as distractions. They don't honestly care to defeat them. Progressives' focus is domestic. Barack Obama didn't run to fundamentally transform the world, only America. In a world full of dictators, despots, and strongmen, Democrats see the biggest problem in the world as being free American people. Obama only bothers himself with matters outside our borders when he can use it to his advantage domestically or when he has to. After the Charlie Hebdo attack in January in France, Paris, he couldn't be bothered to show solidarity with the leaders of the free world because he doesn't have solidarity with them. After 130 people were slaughtered in Paris, he could only bring himself to call it a distraction. When it's agenda ubrales, bodies are bumps in the road. After San Bernardino, progressives were ready. They said it's the right's fault 
They were aided by guns. And the only sensible response is more gun control. Still high on the Colorado shooting by a lunatic with no electricity or running water in his woodland shack. They set the ball in motion. It just didn't work out for them. When the terrorists were identified, the left was hesitant. This was, after all, San Bernardino, not New York. Who attacks there? But the ball was in motion, even though it had been knocked off track. Still, patience had run out. In spite of the facts, they made their move, and they're sticking to it. Congressional Democrats, the White House, the media, it's all about gun control. Farouk's burqa-wearing wife praises ISIS in the middle of the attack, but it's the gun's fault. Moreover, it's your fault for having the right to even own a gun. And you, not terrorists, must be stopped. It's ironic that the same people who claim it's open season on young black men by the police openly say are the only people in society who should be treated, should be trusted to have access to guns. They either have absolute faith black voters won't draw the line between their two points or in their media never putting those points in public view together. Yeah, I know. That's neither here nor there. The greatest killer of young black men isn't police, nor is it legally sold firearms. It's other black men with illegal guns, yet the left isn't going after them either. They're not going after those illegal guns. Again, bodies are an opportunity or a distraction, not real people. They're not real people. No, the switch has been flipped. The paper of record for the rich white cocktail party set Put it on the front page, page one, to write this. Opponents of gun control are saying, as they do after every killing, that no law can unfailingly forestall a specific criminal. That is true. They are talking, many with sincerity, about the constitutional challenges to effect to effective gun regulation. Those challenges exist. They point out that determined killers obtain weapons illegally in places like France, in places like England, in places like Norway that have strict gun laws. Yes, they did. But at least those countries are trying, they say. The last line is the progressive mindset and cover for government power grabs. That's not a coincidence. During, during, not even after San Bernardino came the calls to air quotes, do something. We have to do something. It's the same calls heard in Moscow before the revolution. The same heard in Berlin after the Reichstag fire. Always the same. Tyranny always waits for an opportunity, and opportunists are willing to exploit it. You see, this is how liberty gets smothered, by good intentions. They've exposed themselves now, as they've exposed themselves before, and they'll expose themselves again, unless they are defeated. When I hear Republicans and or conservatives whine about this, that or the other thing, when it comes to someone who agrees with them, 80% of the time I'm, I'm reminded of why we lose. I'm reminded of the libertarians who cheered as McCain lost states on election night 2008. Libertarians who cheered when McCain lost states on election night 2008. They weren't cheering each Obama win, at least most weren't. They were cheering each McCain loss. They hated McCain that much. Their cause, as is ours, is now set back to the point it may be impossible to achieve, but they still have their self-righteousness. Every day, every day I see allies attack and impugn the intelligence of fellow fighters for liberty in the same trenches over who is more this 
or that. Frankly, given what we're up against, what the other side wants to do, who gives a darn? The next president can do a lot of damage. They're right. But any of the Democrats will do more damage than any of the Republicans. If you're willing to sit out this election because your candidate doesn't end up being the nominee, you are, with all due respect, an idiot. I'd use expletives, but it wouldn't get past the editors. I'm quoting him, by the way. You know me. I would never cuss. No, absolutely not. I don't use swear words. Mm -mm. Ninja pastor. It's awful that our choice might be between someone who isn't great and someone who is awful. But you dance with a girl. You dance with the girl who brung you. I'd not only vote for Lindsey Graham, I'd work tirelessly to get him elected if he wins the nomination. And look, folks, this is a ninja pastor. I don't like Lindsey Graham at all. But if he's the guy, I'm working tirelessly to get him. So when I read stories of moneyed insiders threatening to sit on the sidelines if their candidate isn't the nominee, I have to wonder how many of these people benefit from a Hillary Clinton presidency. Anyone who doesn't do all they can to win for whoever the Republican nominee, whoever it is, I don't care who it is, has thrown in with the left. They're urinating on the Constitution. They are only interested in themselves, their network, their casinos, their every crevice from which they derive their money will never see a penny from me. Their stakes are the stakes are too high to accept anything short of vanquishing progressives in the next election. To heck with them. If you aren't on board for beating them, then you're on board with them. Remember what Yeshua said, he who is not with me is against me. We have just over a year of rampaging President Obama wiping himself with with what makes our country great. We can survive that. But if we get four more years of a Democrat, you can not only kiss the Second Amendment goodbye, you can forget it all. You can either be smugly proud of whatever sick moral victory you claim because your candidate looks better, or you can save the Reichstag, the Constitution, from the flame. And to those of you who always write, usually liberals, when I make Reichstag or similar analogies, You stop acting like them, and I'll stop comparing you to them. The media is complicit. You got it? Derek Hunter. December 6th, he wrote that. He didn't write all of it. I kind of, you know. The news media, folks, it's complicit. I get asked all the time, Sean, what news sources do you use? What do you think is the best place for truth? Who do you think are trustworthy? Who do you think, what religious sources are trustworthy? Really, what they're asking me is Ninja Pastor, Reverend Doctor, who do you trust? Who can I trust? I said it before, I'll say it again. The Bible speaks of coming deception that will pervade society. The deception The deception and iniquity will be a blanket of deception. You see what the power behind the press wants you to see. Their agenda drives the news, the film, the photographs, the interviews, and the evidence. It's going to be the deception is in all aspects of our lives and culture. Remember, we trusted Walter Cronkite to tell us the way things really are. That's the way it is. The press were the good guys, uncovering the dirt and protecting the little guys. Sad but true fact, Walter Cronkite. God rest his soul, was a raging leftist liberal, but you'd never know it. There was a time when at least 
in perception, journalists and the press were our source of truth. So much so we have special protections for journalists. We have special protections for the press. But this is no longer true. We have to exercise discretion. We have to exercise discernment in where we get our information. Same way with your doctor. There was a time where you would go to your doctor and you knew that was your doctor's top priority was your health, your wellness. Now you've got to understand that the government is keeping track of your medical records, the HMO your doctor works for. They're dictating how much time he spends with you. By the way, national average is 37 seconds per patient. The pharmaceutical companies that paid for his last vacation are influencing the drugs that you are prescribed. Whether your insurance will pay dictates the course of treatment you'll be offered. All of this is contrary to what you want to believe. By the way, let me say this. There's a film called The Sugar the Sugar. Uh, sugar solution. I can't remember what it is. I had a little sheet of paper, and it's not in my pocket. I don't know what I did with it. Um, in the Middletown Theater, Middletown, Delaware, um, if you want to find out more about this film, um, campchiropractic.com. You go to campchiropractic.com. This movie is 90 minutes long. It's funny. It's extremely informative. Just taking the issue of sugar, who pushes sugar on us? It's killing us the government. Who gets paid determines what you get and what you don't get. Even your financial advisor, folks, they're not thinking of your best interests. Even many of your school's teachers, they're no longer exclusively interested in or responsible for teaching your child the necessary educational benefits and all the basics that you want them to know. There was a time that you, listen, you could trust there was a time, but not anymore. And this is justifiably terrifying, and many will choose to not take responsibility. They'll choose to continue in the deception that, oh, man, we're being taken care of. Our government cares about us. We need trustworthy news sources and criteria to use in determining what is true and what is accurate and what is not. But what is trustworthy? Who is trustworthy? Who is being honest? Not the president. Hussein Obama is a liar. He can't even lie about where he was and when. He can't even, I'm sorry, he can't even tell the truth about where he was and when, even when we have documentation. He lies about what's on video, what's on audio. It's important to understand that there is an agenda being pushed by the news media and all the media that our culture promotes. And as I said at the open, it's not God's agenda. How do you fight it? This last Monday's broadcast, I talked about this. You can listen to that for free. By the way, if if you... Want to support this ministry in a totally, you know, nobody will even know you do it if you don't want them to. Uh, there's a donate button on theninjapastor.com. I never see your bank information. I don't actually ever see it at all. If you believe in what we do, I pay all the costs myself. But uh, And they have a great kehala that's just so gracious and generous. But that doesn't cover it. Listen, how do you know what to do? If you can't trust the press, you can't trust many of the pastors of the pulpits, who can you trust? You Listen, you've got to know God's word personally and accurately as a means of protection from deception. Religious leaders and pastors, they're going to be deceived too. Don't listen blindly to them. Remember the scripture warning. The devil and demons will do wondrous things. Our culture, look, if you're a parent, you've got to understand this point in human history You've got to explain to your youth that this is the agenda that this culture promotes evil. Listen, we always say, right, I'm 50 years old. In my day, we didn't listen to music like that. We wag our fingers and we roll our eyes. 
You remember a couple weeks ago, I read the lyrics that this devil-worshipping band played at this Bataclan in Paris. That song was, they were playing that song. It was the most popular song, and everybody was singing along. That illustrates, we're not talking about Elvis Presley here up on the stage. I'm not saying those people deserved it, but Satanism and the goals that Satan has are very real. Demonic activity and the ways to invite it into your life are real. Parents tell their children, look, don't engage in many things, but they don't tell them why. We spend a lot of time telling our children, look, this is the boogeyman. But they don't tell them. This is a ghost, but they don't. They say, well, this is not real. Boogeyman and ghosts aren't real. There's no monster under your bed. When sadly, this is actually not true. There, there are supernatural beings. There are demons, and they're very real. Is there witchcraft? Does it work? God put a desire in the supernatural in us so that we would seek him. Satan takes what is good and he twists it. Young people get a false experience, but in a hungry, a spiritually hungry world, it is still an experience. Do you think I'm exaggerating? Look, when my daughter was in grade school, I went to the Toys R Us with her, and we walked down the board games aisle. Let me ask you what I saw. Ouija boards. It's spelled O-U-I-J-A, by the way. A lot of people are like, Ouija boards, I tried to Google that last night on the Googler, and I didn't find it. W-E-E-G-E-E. I ain't find it on there. I don't know what you're talking about. Ouija boards, O-U-I-J-A. Look it up. Not just one is a novelty. They didn't just have one there. They had pink ones for girls. They had Pokemon themes. They had basic wood with black. Explain this to me. If we aren't really dealing with demons and Satan, some kid gets a Ouija board under a Christmas tree celebrating the birth of Yeshua, Hamashiach, the one promised, the one prophesied, the one for 400 years we've been waiting. And when a parent says, no, don't play with that, and the explanation is not realistic. You know what that's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? That kid's going to play with it. That kid's going to play with it. They're going to play with it at the slumber. They're going over for a slumber party at the weirdos next door, you know, because you want to go out. You haven't been out in a while. Okay, honey, you can go over and stay with the weirdo next door. They're weird people, but all right, you can stay over there. It won't kill you one night. It's not going to be any problem. It's not going to be any problem. And they're going to play it there at his house or her house. How about a science or learning toy that offers genuine Egyptian God small g replicas for your child to play with or display in their bedroom? Teraphim, anybody? Real quick, I'm going to buzzsaw through this. I'm going to give you some practical advice on what you should be doing when a Paris-like situation, when a New York City situation, a 9-11 situation, a San Bernardino, California situation happens in your hometown. Because, folks, as I said in the beginning, it's not if. It's when, and it's soon, and they're all around us, and they're inviting more every single day. Bearing Arms is a great article. It was really, really good. Brent Wheat did this article, November 15th. Number one, you've got to realize it will happen here. Folks, you've got to stop thinking this is paranoid. It is a simple, unpleasant fact based upon intelligence-gathering efforts, expert opinion, and common sense. At some point, it is likely there will be a coordinated Paris-type attack or San Bernardino-type of attack in the United States on schools, shopping malls, sporting events, or other mass-gathering areas. And don't think it's only going to happen in the big cities, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, because what would be better to create fear? Which, of course, terror is the ultimate goal of a terrorist action. 
What would create more fear than killing dozens or maybe even hundreds of people at a school in rural Mississippi or shopping mall in Montana? Let me tell you what number two, always, 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 always carry wherever legal. I have to put that disclaimer in. I won't get in no trouble. Always carry a concealed deadly weapon. You've got to make it a habit. You've got to make it a habit. You can't just do it when you think something's going to happen. That's like buying the fire insurance. Right? It's like buying the fire insurance. When you smell the smoke, it's too late, folks. It's too late to get trained up. When a strong man, this is what the scripture says in the complete Jewish Bible, Luke eleven twenty one twenty two. When a strong man, thank you, Jerry, for reminding me of this passage. When a strong man who is fully equipped for battle guards his own house, his possessions are secure. But when someone stronger attacks and defeats him, he carries off all the armor and weaponry which the man was depending upon. He divides up the spoils. Those who are not with me are against me, and those who do not gather with me gathering. Carry a concealed deadly weapon. Get trained up on it. Comfort and skill at arms. Concealed firearm in the hands of a responsible and trained individual is statistically, by the government's own statistics, statistically, the safest thing that you can do. Have you heard about this is, you know, this was in April of 2015, concealed permit holder stops attempted mass shooting in Chicago. AWR Hawkins wrote this article on Friday, an Uber driver with a concealed carry permit thwarted an attempted mass shooting. First of all, the big story here is how could a guy in Chicago with their draconian gun laws ever get a concealed carry permit? Oh, I know. Presidential candidate Ted Cruz through the Heller decision that was dealing with Washington, spilled over. The victory from that spilled over. And Chicago was found to be communistic and anti-constitutional. So this Uber driver went to all the trouble and all the expense, got a concealed carry permit, trained on it, and he thwarted an attempted mass shooting by pulling his own weapon and shooting a gunman who had opened fire in Chicago's Logan Square. You understand what I'm saying? Elv... El Everado Custodio, who's 21 years, 22 years old, he began firing into the crowd. The Uber driver pulled his own gun, fired six shots at Custodio, wounding him in the shin, the thigh, and the lower back. The attempted mass shooting ended with no one other than Custodio injured. Did you hear about it? Breitbart News previously reported that on March 22nd, an incident in which a concealed carry permit holder entered a Philadelphia barbershop. Anybody listening ever get their hair cut to stop an attempted mass shooting? In pro- in, it was in progress. In that incident, a 40-year-old man began randomly firing at patrons inside the barbershop and was stopped when the concealed carry permit holder heard gunfire. Ran into the shop and shot the would-be mass shooter in the chest, killing him. No one else was harmed. Did you hear about that? No. Why? Because it doesn't fit their agenda, ladies and gentlemen. 
A study by Pew Research, this was, uh, this was recently published 18, 18 hours ago. A study by Pew Research showed that the only gun crimes on the rise over the last two decades have been mass shootings and gun-free zones. Gun-free zones or soft targets. A study by the Pew Research showed the only gun crimes on the rise over the last two decades have been mass shootings in gun-free zones or soft target areas. Are you listening, America? Are you listening? Now's not the time for Americans to cower in fear or be intimidated by liberal ideology or to apologize for one of America's longest-standing constitutional rights, the right to bear arms, say a growing chorus of religious law enforcement and political leaders, several sheriffs have sent out warnings in the wake of the recent Islamic terrorist attacks in Paris, Beirut, Mali, and San Bernardino that Americans now more than ever need to get armed. The first was Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona, who on December 1st called for 250,000 armed citizens to stop terrorism and mass shootings in Arizona. This represents the number of concealed carry permit holders in Arizona. I'm just talking about the areas where you have large crowds and someone pulls out the gun and starts shooting. Maybe somebody with a concealed weapon takes the guy down, Arpaio told a local CBS affiliate. He was criticized by some others in law enforcement who said they didn't think armed civilians shooting bad guys in public places was a good idea because it could lead to collateral damage, Tucson News now reported. Then came Ulster County Sheriff Paul Van Blarkham of Ulster County, New York, about two hours north of New York City. We have listeners in upstate New York City. In a December 3rd Facebook post following the deadly jihadist attack on San Bernardino, he said the county's 10,000 residents who have concealed carry permits should use them. He said, in light of recent events that have occurred in the United States and around the world, I want to encourage citizens of Ulster County who are licensed to carry a firearm to please do so. Van Blarkham said in his Facebook post, I urge you to responsibly take advantage of your legal right to carry a firearm, to ensure the safety of yourself and others. Make sure you are comfortable and proficient with your weapon and knowledgeable of the laws in New York State with regard to carrying a weapon and when it is legal to use it. At that time, he received over 24,000 likes, and as of Friday back then, 3,289 comments, and it was shared 30,000 times. Detroit Michigan Police Chief James Craig weighed in, on the December 2nd, weighed in on December 2nd, and he said he believes terrorists would be reluctant to target Detroit, as they had in Paris the last month, for feared armed citizens, for fear that armed citizens would shoot back. A lot of Detroiters have concealed pistol licenses, and the same rules apply to terrorists as they do for some gun-toting thug, Craig told Detroit News. If you're a terrorist or a carjacker, you want unarmed citizens. Oakland University criminal justice professor Daniel Kennedy agreed with Craig that terrorists would be reluctant to attack armed citizens. Detroit Police Chief James Craig has been an outspoken supporter of citizens' gun rights. We don't have laboratories where we can test these theories, but there is something to the argument that terrorists want a high body count. And if they can only shoot a few people before they're taken out themselves, it would not have the kind of impact they want, Kennedy told the news. An armed citizen won't give them a high body count. Look at the theater in Paris, the Bataclan Cafe, where four men with AK-47 assault rifles killed 89 people during a rock concert. If some of those people had been armed, it, wouldn't have been, it would have been a much different story. A day of reckoning has arrived. By the way, Carl Gallup's 
Pastor Carl Gallops. He served 10 years as a Florida police officer before becoming a Baptist pastor and a talk radio host. has authored a new book called Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution in Times of Trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, Reverend Carl Gallops is going to be famous, internationally known guy, is going to be on this show next week. Tune in next week. He will be on. He will be my guest on this show next week. But in that book, Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution in Times of Trouble, by the way, we talk about a lot of the same things in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity Destroying America. In that book, he admonishes Christians to take a fresh biblical look at the issue of guns and self-defense. Pastor and author Carl Gallops, in light of several prominent United States sheriffs and even well-known media personalities, now advising, advising American citizens to arm themselves specifically in preparation for the possibility of armed Islamic attacks on our soil. I think people can now see where, where we really are in America at this point in history. Gallup's told WorldNet Daily, a day of reckoning has arrived. Part of the battle is being able to recognize the propaganda in the media, which reports that it's the availability of guns that causes gun violence. The Washington Post, you know, they very rarely ever honest, but they, uh, December 3rd, they did a, an article where they said there's been a massive decline in gun violence in the United States since 1993. The only exception in mass shootings is gun-free zones, according to the Pew Research study. That study states premeditated mass shootings in public places are happening more often. Some researchers say plunging towns and cities into grief and riveting the attention of a horrified nation in general, though. Fewer Americans are dying as a result of gun violence, a shift that began about two decades ago. Folks, we're going to have to pick up next week. I want to tell you this. Pastor Carl, look, Google him. He's all over. He's all over the place. Google this man. He is very much like me. I think we are kindred spirits. I can't wait to chat with him. And with you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this. If you've heard nothing else. If you've heard nothing else. Recognize. That soldiers. War fighters all across this country. Have gone. And they fought. For our freedom. Please tell me that you are unwilling to stand idly by and not fight back. Christians, you need to recognize that you've been told a lie by that liberal pastor in the pulpit who says that you're to turn the other cheek, that you're to do all these things and misinterpret Scripture wildly and to his own spiritual detriment. Ladies and gentlemen, You've got to get on board. Pastor Gallops has been, he was a police officer for 10 years, direct law enforcement. Now he's been in the ministry for 30 years. I've been exposed to these things. I'm telling you. Christians, decide, resolve, and stand I've got a hashtag called Presidential Jihad. Don't stand for it. We are the last line of defense. 
Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. <laughs>